0: Hello and welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech, the podcast that celebrates the clean tech industry and the people that power it, brought to you by Brightsmith. I'm your host Jenny Gladman, and for this fourth season, I'll be interviewing leaders, forward thinkers, and entrepreneurs from around the world to explore the opportunities, challenges, and rewards of working in clean tech. And more specifically, within hydrogen. We'll be hearing from individuals with very different focuses within hydrogen, but with one clear goal of how we can fuel a cleaner, greener future. In addition, they'll be offering you some tokens of wisdom to enlighten, engage, and inspire everyone to live their purpose every single day. So today's guest is joining me from H2 Green Steel in Sweden. Kaisa has 15 years experience in heavy industry. She now runs the hydrogen business unit for H2 Green Steel, which brings together her sector experience and her passion for hydrogen and sustainability. In today's conversation, we're going to be looking at hydrogen from the perspective of the user. And she's often missing from the conversation and is absolutely key in showcasing the viability of hydrogen in heavy industry. Kaisa also sits on the board of one of Europe's most innovative fuel cell companies, PowerCell Sweden. She's passionate about changing the world through the power of sustainable business and technology with a view to improving the future of our planet for generations to come. With large-scale green hydrogen, the core H2 Green Steel's purpose is to decarbonize hard-to-abate industries, including steel. They've already grown to over 150 people since they were founded in 2020, and they are still growing at pace, which is pretty impressive. So, Kaiser, welcome to Conversations in Cleantech. Hi, Jenny. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast today. So thank you for joining. Um, And before we go into the inner workings of steel, would you like to give our listeners a bit of a personal introduction to you? Yeah, definitely. I can
1: do that. I mean, I I think you presented me in a very, uh, very good way. But so basically, my background is my my really original background is I'm a passionate horseback rider. Um, And I used to work as a professional horseback rider, actually in Germany, competing in eventing and cross country. Um, And I would say that has formed me a lot in terms of goal orientation. I'm very competitive. And also I learned early that in order to improve and and become the best you can, you have to work and, and train with people who are better than you. So I would say that that's one of the reasons why I ended up where I am today. But from more of a business perspective, I would say that I've always worked in heavy industry. My background is from natural sciences and chemistry, and then I've entered into business side. So I have a combination of that in in my training. Uh, And I guess that's why I was very attracted by uh, heavy industry early on. And I worked in in the aluminum industry uh, at Sapa, now today North Hydro um for many years Um, i was also leading a a fuel cell division at sandvik uh, surf tech it's called doing components for fuel cell stacks and that's where i kind of got my first contact point you could say with the hydrogen world back then this was about 10 years ago it was mainly focused on the automotive industry and we were a few believers and a lot of haters i should say um but but then when i a couple of years later uh, worked as head of innovation at Yara international a, a big fertilizer company my focus was more on or i learned you could say that hydrogen is is really about right now at least is really about the industry and how you can transform heavy industry so then my passion for hydrogen grew uh, even further and um then when i was contacted by by henrik Hendrickson, our ceo here at h2 green steel it was just a dream coming true you could say It was really the combination of metals uh, with hydrogen and also my passion for how sustainable business can can you know, be part of of changing the world for the better in terms of, of climate impact because i do believe that the industry has a fundamental role to play. We can't just rely on politics or NGOs. It's, it's actually the industry and the financial sector that need to step up and make this happen. And I felt that at h 2 Steel, I can be part of, of driving that from within.
0: Brilliant. And it sounds like an incredible team you've joined. So a really exciting mission to be a part of. And before we go into more detail on H2 Green Steel and the work that they're doing, um, I think some of our listeners will be in the position that I was in of not knowing a huge amount about the steel industry. Um, And Kaiser gave me a a very quick lesson a couple of weeks ago, which I hope she'll deliver to to some of our listeners today. Um, But one of the things that I think is crucial to talk about and something that was very much on my radar is how big of a polluter the steel industry is. In comparison to most, if not all, industries out there, it has a huge negative impact on the planet and the technology is there to decarbonize it. Um, and H2 Green Steel have not only shown this, they're, they're welcoming others to the fold. They don't want to be the disruptor. They want to be an accelerator um, and want others to do the same. So I think I'll hand back to Kaisa to tell you a bit more about this mission of who are Green Steel and how are they approaching this. Yeah,
1: no, you're completely right. I mean, we we don't see us as a disruptor. We want to be an accelerator. We want to help the steel industry to transition. Our purpose is not to be just another steel company. Our purpose is to decarbonize, hard to abate industries. And we start with steel. And then you can ask yourself, why steel? Um, and basically, It is important to understand that we are not using hydrogen as a fuel or as an energy carrier. For us, hydrogen is a molecule that we need to basically kick off a reaction, a chemical reaction, you could say. Uh, And in order to understand how, I I think it's good to to have an insight in how the steel value chain is today, uh, and and especially the upstream part. So today, um, the the steel industry is really centered around the blast furnace. So basically, you would take iron ore from a mine. In iron ore, you have oxygen that you need to get rid of to produce steel. So you take your iron ore to the blast furnace, you mix it with cooking coal, Uh, that you heat up, uh, that releases the carbon in the coal and you connect that to the oxygen in the iron ore. You get as as products coming out CO2 and you get iron. And the CO2 is, is, this is the most polluting part in in the steel value chain. So all in all, the steel industry accounts for about 8% of global CO2 emissions. And this is really the, the problematic part. So we have to find a solution for the blast furnace and the coal. This is also the reason, like when you look into where big steel mills are located today, most of them are located where you have good access to uh, coal and or natural gas. Um, Because what you can do, instead of using a blast furnace, you can use a a direct reduction reactor. And then instead of coal, you would use natural gas to um, take out uh, oxygen from iron ore. But what you can do uh, instead of using natural gas, you can use pure hydrogen for the same kind of equipment or the reactor. And if that hydrogen is produced using electrolysis and green energy, renewable energy, or at least fossil free energy, you don't have any emissions. And that is what we are doing. So that is what we are building then. And the technology has been proven and uh, the pilot set up. And um, we thought that, at least for the steel industry, the the world doesn't need another pilot. It needs someone who has the the courage to really build a large-scale plant that can truly have an impact. Because, again, it's 8% of the global CO2 emissions that are at stake. We have to address that. And we take the first step in making that happen.
0: And can you tell us a bit more about that step and what that looks like for the the plant in the north of Sweden?
1: Yeah, so in in uh, in our first plant um, that is now in in construction, we got our environmental permit in in July, and that was really important for us. It was actually Swedish record in terms of how fast we got the permit. Uh, We have had to have it in the summer because this is really in the north of Sweden, close to the Arctic Circle. And uh, we had to start ground preparations during the summer. It's uh, a plant of 300 hectares. It's a huge area. And uh, we are, like I said right now, in ground preparation, preparing for construction. In parallel, what we are doing, I mean, we are a greenfield company. We are a startup. Uh, You could maybe say a startup on steroids, but it's it's really a startup. And uh, for our projects, we have to run uh, project financing. So uh, in in order to actually have a bankable case, we have to prove to our banks that there is a customer who's willing to pay a premium for a green product. So that's where we started, you could say, the journey. We sat down with the automotive industry, listen to them, would you be willing to pay what it takes to actually do this, to have a green steel product? And they said, yes. And some of them invested in our first round. Uh, some of them have invested now also in our B round. Um, and it's it's really about the customer showing it is possible. So that we have signed off agreements of more than 50% of the volume coming out uh, of the first um, phase, which is coming live in 2025. Uh, at take or pay uh, agreement and at a premium above brown steel. So obviously there are other items as well that we have to prove to the banks, but that's a crucial one and act as a collateral um, for for our financing. And we have, uh, some weeks ago, we announced that our debt financing structure is is completed. So we have now a consortium of commercial banks and other type of financial institutions committing to 3.5 billion euro uh, of debt. And that is to be combined then with about 1.5 billion euro equity. And so far we have raised about uh, 350, I think it is now, uh, million Uh, euro in equity so it's happening
0: it's coming and that's that's a that's our first plant I mean congratulations that's a, a lot to achieve in an extraordinarily small amount of time
1: yeah and I have to say I mean back to what I said in the beginning that one of the reasons for why I joined here is really about the people I I never I mean, I work with so like excellent people all this 15 years in, in heavy industry, but the people that I meet here are just extraordinary and they're coming from all over the world uh, and all with the same passion to do something
0: that is super difficult, but that will have a huge impact on, on climate change. It's amazing. And to go a layer deeper on what you personally do there, and I think that's something that our listeners always like to hear is the the people aspect of um, the industry. What is it that you look after, and and what's your own personal mission there?
1: So, what my my role more specifically in the in the company is that I'm responsible of our global growth initiatives uh, for our large scale projects, and that means basically the next. Uh, Boudin, which is the name of the city where we built our first plant. Uh, What I'm looking for is really uh, to have a bankable case. Uh, What we see at least uh, right now, what you need is baseload power, uh, green baseload power, because we are only into green hydrogen. And um, there are not that many places in the world where you have that. Uh, so that's why we have initiated a project together with HydroHavran, um, the energy or hydrogen part of, of Norse Hydro in Brazil, because Brazil has both uh, they have hydropower as a base load, but also the possibility to build out wind and solar. In addition, Brazil has excellent access to high grade iron ore. That also brings us to Canada. And we are right now in, in the process of, of applying for access to, to specific power nodes that we believe can be super interesting to take the lead, you could say, on the cost curve for green iron and steel production also there. So that's my role, to find these projects and run feasibility studies and, and get it going, you could say. In addition, um, also running together with my team um, smaller pure hydrogen setups in in Sweden or the Nordic, you could say, because we do see that there's a lot of learnings from from having the smaller scale of, um, up and running. You can do it much quicker than you can obviously with a do with a seven eight hundred megawatt that we need for iron and steel production sites. So it is really about finding commercial models, commercially viable models, bankable cases that can accelerate the transition. Because there are so many MOUs announced, there are so many uh, hydrogen initiatives, but they don't have an offtake. And it sounds very simple, but that is what we are bringing. So we would never look at the project without a clear offtake in mind. And if we have to bring our own offtake, that's what we do. Then we bring iron and steel or only iron. But my, my focus is is how to establish large scale green hydrogen, but then you need offtake. And that's in many ways the missing piece for many other initiatives.
0: It sounds like a pretty key role in the organization. Um, and something that always interests me is when you're doing something that is that that crucial, but also takes that much energy from you personally, what drives you? Um, and the first time we spoke, we talked about role models. Um, and I personally am a huge believer in role models and seeing people. And you mentioned your own mother um, being an amazing role model to you. But I have no doubt that in years to come, one of your, one of your kids will be sat there talking about their amazing mother as a role model. But what, what is it that drives you day to day? How do you find that inspiration? I mean, I think that has changed a bit since I got my own kids. So I have a daughter of
1: seven and a son of four. And that has completely changed how I both look at how much time I spend away from home, I should say, uh, but also what I spend my time on. So it's I I I really want to every hour. That I'm away from, from my family or from taking care of my personal health or, or so forth. Basically, every hour I spend at work should be something that can benefit they can benefit from in the future. So I can look them in the eye and say that when I'm gone, I know you don't like when I'm gone, but I do it for your future. I want you to to... Uh, grow up in a world that is is the same as I grew up in, or better, you know. So that is, and that's also why I'm at the board of, of PowerCell, because they also contribute to to this transition. And I I do believe I can add some value. And um, I want to see that part of the value chain, of the hydrogen value chain, uh, also accelerating. And I can as well tell my, my kids that this is for, for the future. So that's, I would say, where it's coming from. I think it is, re- like I agree with you, to have role models. So, I mean, for me, my, my mother was definitely a role model. My Both my parents are doctors, but my, my mother showed me that it is possible to be there for your family, um, but also have a very interesting career and do something that is, is good for other people. So... Uh, unfortunately she doesn't live anymore but that's what I bring with me really and I want to show that to to my daughter and of course also my son but it's it's more for to have these equal opportunities regardless of who you are and where you come from so yeah that's that's a really important part of of me I would say and I it's also something I bring with me into this company and I I mean, it's it's not obviously not only me there, everybody, I would say, have that agenda in our team. So in our management team, I believe we are 50-50 now. Um, And you have, I mean, you really have to think about it when you recruit, Uh, you have to have it on the agenda. Otherwise, in this type of business, you end up with 80-90% men, because that's the easy way out. And I don't say that men are not good, they're excellent. But there is something that is hard to just put your finger on when you have a diverse team. And it's not only about men, women, but it's also about age. It's about uh, nationality, culture and things like that. It's, it's, more, it's harder to lead a team like that, definitely. But when you can do it, magic can happen. So we have that as, as a really core element of us building this company. Um, and so far we have been successful. I would say it is a challenge in the construction team, so anyone who's listening to this, a woman who would like to work in construction, please call me um, because we are recruiting so fast and it is easier to find men, but I'm a true believer in in that gender equality can, can add uh, new dimensions to thinking and decision-making. And another dimension I would say here is like, you tend to talk about engineering when you talk about heavy industry and obviously we need the best engineers in the world but we also need the best marketeers we need the best financing people we need the best lawyers we need the best um, accountants I mean we really need um, to make this happen which is a really really difficult project or or journey that we're on we need the ones who maybe would go to to banking or to uh, make up selling or whatever, uh, marketing, because that's how we can change the world.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think as someone that works in this industry, but as a, as a partner to organizations like yours, there is, there's so many avenues that can bring you into the sector if you've got that passion and want to be part of that shared experience. So it is, it is the most important mission that we have for the coming decades. So, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. If you're a creative, if you have any kind of skills that could be required in the sector, there will be an opportunity. And yes, if you're in construction and you're a lady and you want to work for H2 Green Steel, they are crying out for you.
1: No, and just as a comment there, I mean, I had a discussion with a colleague of mine the other day and he said like, yeah, because he's been in consulting, he's been actually in oil and gas before. And he said like, this is where I feel that the CO2 abatement per worked hour is the highest for me. And that is like really a call out. So if, if you want to work with something or if you actually want to spend the time awake because you probably spend most of your time awake at work to reduce CO2 emissions, and um, this is where you should be. Amazing.
0: And and one last question for you, which is um, just around the the bit that you touched on about being on the board of PowerCell Sweden, and I know there is a lot of crossover in terms of hydrogen as you know a technology, but just looking at that space and um, thinking about the value chain, which we've touched on, and where you locate fuel cells and electrolyzers, is there is there bits and of knowledge and experience you bring out of h2 green steel and impart on power cell sweden that's making a difference in that space as well
1: yeah i mean definitely so what is it's very i actually started my hydrogen journey in the fuel cell area more with so now i'm kind of coming back to that and my learning is from the 10 years that i kind of worked in in hydrogen is that it's very like siloed, the value chain. So you tend to look at electrolyzers only and what is the levelized cost of hydrogen coming out of the electrolyzer. And you tend to disregard how you're going to use it. And then you need to include storage and distribution and all of that. Um, and then on the fuel cell side, you tend to focus only on, for it's at least for a long time, it's been like cars. Okay, how can we get it into a car? But then you kind of forget how are you going to get green hydrogen to the car? So what I think I, I personally, I, I really learned from from our keeping an eye on, on both sides of the value chain, uh, but I also think I can bring that perspective into the discussion. And another item is that it's no longer about cars. It's what we see is that there's so much happening in aviation and maritime for fuel cells. And obviously that's a very good information for me when I look at for, for, for H2 Green Steel and for for my team, what should we spend our focus on? Maybe we should try to understand the value chain for hydrogen to shipping, or how are we gonna get hydrogen to an airport in the future, for instance. So it is one value chain, and and it's important to understand the total, to understand the cost and possibilities.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, it's those conversations and looking at the bigger industries that can be so much more, there can be so much more impact in the shorter term if we solve some of these problems. And having that shared wisdom across is, is so impactful. So, yeah, it's nice to see when you're seeing companies who are collaborative and definitely see the merits of having people on their board that are working in a different space as well. Yeah, definitely. And I have one really very quick last question would be your advice to somebody wanting to get into this sector. I would say just reach out
1: to the company you would like to work for. Um, we get random applications or whatever you want to call it every day. And we are addressing all of them. Uh, we are, like I said, right now, we are looking a lot in construction, engineering and so forth. But, but especially I would say for, for system process engineering for, for hydrogen, large-scale hydrogen plants, if you have that uh, competence, I mean, just reach out. You can send me a message on LinkedIn or you can go to our recruitment page on, on our uh, web page um, because we are, we are recruiting from all over the world. It doesn't matter what color you have, if you're a man or woman or where you live, we find a way. Um, Like an example, for instance, we have one of our stars in the hydrogen technology team, Uh, we found her in in India, she was pregnant, Uh, we hired her, she could work from India, now she gave birth and she will move here when she's ready. So we are the best talent in the world, we need you, Um, yeah. Now this turned into a recruitment ad. <laughs> that's, that's not my intention, but it's um, they just reach out.
0: You say that, but actually it's really refreshing and the number of companies out there that need to hear that, that you've gone out of your way to hire a lady who is pregnant, to relocate her, to support her, to stay where she is, to go through that journey is incredible. So thank you from all women out there. And thank you for your time today, for being so giving with your story and also just for being a part of something so amazing. So we're, I know myself and, and all of our listeners will be excited to watch this journey towards 2025 and beyond.
1: Thanks a lot. It was a, it was a really nice talk. Pleasure to, to be in the podcast today.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Conversations in Clean Tech, brought to you by Brightsmith. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others to find the show. For more information on how Brightsmith can help you to build a sustainable future through identifying, attracting, and retaining diverse talent, please head over to brightsmithgroup.com. Join us next time for more conversations in clean tech.